Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, fellow gamers. Thank you for listening to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. And happy Thanksgiving to our fellow Americans. If you are new to these parts, we are a podcast where three dads get together and talk casually about games. Since today is Thursday, we are going to be breaking down This Week in Gaming, talking about recent gaming news stories that we thought were the most interesting this week and share them with you all. Before we start that, though, please make sure to rate our show five stars and leave a written review. Please also check out our Patreon page where you can support our show starting at $5 a month. You'll help us pay the bills, and you'll also get bonus episodes from us. You can sign up at MultiplayerSquad.com. I am your host, Paul, and joining me today, he's ready to strap on some arbor plates, set off some UAVs, and tear it up in the gulag again. It's Josh. It's because I'm the one that dies. Is that why I'm in the gulag all the time? <laughs> You're the, the front line, Josh. You, you get to run ahead of the group. I, a scout would be like my my natural class mm-hmm. in life. It's like I'm the scout who's the guy that just runs in and dies first. You're welcome. <laughs> there you go. And joining us, he's my personal nomination for best new podcast host of 2022. It's Michael. It's uh, quite, quite an honor to have that nomination. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts we and Science. We didn't say you Paul. won. You were just nominated, uh, Michael. And well, this is my yeah. personal nomination, so yeah. you should be thanking me, Michael. <laughs> At least I'm not in a gulag. <laughs> thank yes. you, Paul. Friend Paul. Oh, goodness. All right. So, guys, first up, the, the new story that I think we need to talk about first is that the Game Awards have announced all of the 2022 nominees. Now, if anyone out there is not familiar with their process, they do have a committee, they get together, they take all these nominations, they put together the final list, and then they send it out to the public, and then the final winners are decided primarily by their own jury. That's 90% of the points, but the final 10% is made up with public fan voting. So the games that clock in with the most nominees this year are God of War Ragnarok with 10, followed by Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West, which each have seven. So do you guys care much about the Game Awards? I mean, I know we care in context of the show, but like, what do you think about them personally? I I mean, I'll be honest. I, I mean, this is going to come across sounding bad, but no, I don't care a whole lot. I mean, we're we're gamers. We like the games that just are fun games for people to play. We obviously, you know, have our own game awards and stuff like that. I'm not saying it's not fun, but I guess what I mean is like, 
a game getting nominated doesn't change my opinion of a game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I like awards. I I especially like things like how they they highlight things or aspects of games that you might not normally think about, like the best sound design or best indie games, things like that, where people worked hard on things that might kind of go under the radar. That's cool. But as far as game of the year, I mean, it's like well, it's a bunch of really heavy hitting AAA titles fighting each other. It's it, they're all they all made millions and millions of dollars, anyways. So yeah, it's a little bit of a popularity contest in that regard, especially because there's so many indie games that come out these days. Right. That I think a lot of us would actually choose those smaller, lesser known titles that you know don't have a chance for like big game of the year contention. Sure. Uh, okay, so all of us have a list of all the nominees up. They do have several categories here in the show. We are going to break down a couple of them here, but let's start with Game of the Year since that's the heavy hitter. The nominees in alphabetical order are A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I'm kind of proud of us because even though we did not deep dive all of those games, we did at least talk about them in some fairly large capacity other than Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because it's a Switch exclusive and we don't cover Switch games very often on this show. Um, but taking a look at that list of Game of the Year nominees, what kind of stands out to you guys? Uh, that's only going to be between two games. Let's just <laughs> let's <laughs> talk about the, ele- the elephant in the room right now. <laughs> this is really down to two games. Like I'm happy that these other games got nominated. Like good for you, developers and studios and all that. But I, I mean, if if God of War or Elden Ring does not win Game of the Year this year, something is drastically wrong. And I know that Stray took the world by storm and everybody loved playing a kitty cat for a little while. And I have not played Stray. But if you notice, that fad lasted about two and a half weeks and then just completely disappeared into oblivion. This is... this is It's between those two. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, when you look at the list. Well, first of all, in Josh's point... Um, I the first thought that I have is I wish that Horizon Forbidden West had come out a different year because I do think it's a fantastic game. I've got about ten hours into it. Wish I'd finished it. Love the game, but against Elden Ring and God of War, they're just the heavy hitters. But it's interesting to look at the list though, and almost all of these. Uh, well, the biggest I would say probably like the biggest four. So if you look at a Plague Tale, Elden Ring, God of War, and Horizon Forbidden West, which I think are really the the heavier candidates over Xenoblade and Stray, they're all sequels or a part of a series. I'm just kind of happy that Horizon Forbidden West, which was produced by Guerrilla Games, is on the list because they have not done much. They're a very fresher, like a newer studio, more green. They've done a, like they've they've assisted in making some of the Killzone games, but as far as their first standalone, it was Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. So it's kind of cool seeing that. But really, Josh is right. It's going to be one of the two. Yeah. What you're saying here, Michael, was going to be my first comment, is that they're all sequels other than Stray. So I really love the right. fact that at least we have one new IP on there, even though we all know it's not going to have a chance of winning. I did check Steam, and it's still sitting at a 97% wow. user score. So people love Stray. My son played it a little bit. I didn't. But I, I like seeing at least one new game <laughs> recognized here that's a non-sequel. Yeah, it also would have probably had a better chance of winning if it was a dog instead of a cat. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> cat cat fans are pretty uh, rabid, for lack of a better word. The internet loves cats, man. They do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so if you guys had to guess right now, I think this is kind of fun just to kind of project, but what do you think is going to be the winner for Game of the Year? 
I think Elden Ring is going to clean house. You think so? I'm, I'm actually going to say Elden Ring as well. Yeah. yeah, I think my reason for that is because um, just a lot of the stigma around God of War Ragnarok is it's more of the same. Um, and even if it's incredible, if it's great, Elden Ring kind of did something different, I think, that makes it stand out a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. As great as, frankly, all these games on the list are, Elden Ring was such a major jump from where the other Dark Souls games were at, going open world and going so much bigger and more of that wonder and mystery of the world. Ragnarok is great. I did finish it. I know you guys are both finishing it up here in the next day or two. Uh, at this time, I would guess I think Elden Ring is probably going to take it. I think they're going to reward the technical aspect of what they did building it out into full open world. Yeah. So, yeah. It is the reason for that before, you know, we'll move on to some of the other categories here, but Elden Ring took a game and changed it in such a way that it made it almost infinitely better in that regard. Like they took the Dark Souls formula. They said, we're going to make this open world. We're going to, you know, do do this vision. And they executed that vision phenomenally. And I'm not saying that it's a better game than Ragnarok, but I think that innovation and that ability to change the formula like just enough is what's going to put it over the top. Yeah, because the Dark Souls games were good. People liked them. They were fantastic. They were exactly what they needed to be. They were hard. And they took that idea and said, let's put it on steroids, make it big, bold, ambitious. And it paid off. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Taking a look at the other categories, which ones stand out? Any any particular yeah. categories or particular nominations that you want to bring up? I just want to make a comment real fast that there's a, there's one that says best narrative. If yeah. Elden Ring wins that, I'm gonna like flip. <laughs> That's stupid. I'm is, Elden Ring should not be on there. About? What are you talking about? That there's <laughs> yeah. no narrative. <laughs> yeah, that's I ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. To be honest. Um, a couple things that jump out at me. Um, number one, best role playing game. Yeah, I do. You guys, I don't know half the games on this list, and we are no. RPG fans, man. So like, read the list. What's on there? Okay, so it's Elden Ring. Okay, fine. Live a live, live alive. I, I I've never yeah. heard of this game. Live a live. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Never played it. Triangle Strategy. I feel like I've heard of that. And then Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I know none of these games with the exception of Elden Ring. How is that a thing? Would you really even consider Elden Ring a role-playing game? I would, yeah, for sure. You get okay. gear and builds. Yeah, and that's a good point. Inventory, yeah. I just always feel like role-playing games need some kind of a story or something to follow, and that doesn't. But I guess you're right. Yeah, I think the primary thing there, Josh, is that a lot of those are Nintendo properties. So when you see... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Live Alive, Pokemon Arceus, and uh, Tri- or, uh, Xenoblade. I think it's just the lack of playing N- Nintendo games that's feeding into that. I-, I do love the fact that Elden Ring is under role-playing, and then God of War Ragnarok is under action-slash-adventure. So I feel like they'll both get recognized no matter what. So at least yeah. it's not like one of them is going to get completely blanked out from the other. And then the other category for me that I love is Best Indie. Um, I mean, you mentioned it at the top of the show. Indie games, man, what a breath of fresh air in the industry. I I mean, you know, we're we're all playing God of War. That is a highly anticipated AAA title. I mean, there's something great about AAA games when they're done properly. But I'll tell you what, man, indie games, I feel like, are like the backbone of gaming for me, where they're just super good. They're, They're entertaining. They're different. You can tell the passion that goes into them. Um, and this list is Cult of the Lamb, uh, Neon White, Sifu, 
Stray and Tunic, which I'm actually familiar with all these games. I have not played any of them with the exception of Neon White, which I thought was a great game. Now, it didn't hold my attention very long, but it's the kind of game that just doesn't. It's not really geared to hold your attention for long periods of time. Um, you know, we talked about Cult of the Lamb. I, I, if I had to make a call, Cult of the Lamb's going to take it just based off of the popularity response to that game. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it didn't. Um yeah, Maybe Stray. I, I if Stray, Stray may win just because they go, <laughs> look, we got to reward Stray somehow. Right. So we're going to call that best indie game. I think if we look at other categories, um, best performance kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit. Obviously, Christopher Judge as uh, Kratos is great. Like, even the grunts and stuff, just the way that it's it's timed well, the way, not timed well, but just the inflection and so forth, you get the feeling. Like, he's got several different grunts that, like, mean different things, but really it's the same vowels <laughs> he's, he's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. It's I am Groot. Um, but I think that, I actually think it's funny, because Ashley Birch made the list for Horizon Forbidden West, when I think she should have made the list, but she should have made it for Tiny Tina's Wonderland. See, I think it'll be... I don't think she's going to win, but it's an absolute crime if Man Engage does not win this category. Man Engage is a complete revelation in the game Immortality, which is a smaller property, and I think more and more people are going to play it now that Netflix is releasing it for free through their platforms. But she has to basically record three entire movies for the course of immortality. She's absolutely fantastic in them. It is the first time that she has ever, uh, I, I, I don't know what her background is as far as acting, but if you look on IMDb, this is the first stuff that she's ever done. And if you look up any reviews for immortality, all of them just sing her praises. I have no doubt you are going to see her, uh, highlighted in a lot of movies. And I would not be shocked if you see Oscar nominations down the road. She is an incredible actress it was a very demanding performance in Immortality. And if anyone out there hasn't checked it out, I highly recommend it, if for no other reason, just to see her in it. Um, I, I I feel like I have no idea who's going to win this category because you might have some split voting for Ragnarok because you do have the voice actors for both Atreus and um, Kratos. Ashley Birch, she's probably the biggest name here in the bunch. Maybe she will win, but I'm really crossing my fingers and hoping for Man Engage. I am not familiar with Man Engage, yeah, at all. But I know you talked highly about Immortality too, which I still have not checked out either. So, might need to watch a little bit of video on that. Yeah, that's a pretty um, interesting one. Are you guys disappointed like I am with the multiplayer category? Like, I feel like it's the multiplayer lackluster. games lately, <laughs> like, we even have some friends where they're like, guys, like, uh, where is everybody? Like, are we ever going to play together again? And it's like, there's just like Overwatch 2 doesn't seem to really be clicking with everybody. Right. I, I mean, multiverses like, we, is fine, but that's not really our style yeah, game anyway. You know, so it's just like, there's just no like rock solid multiplayer game out there. But the nominees for this one are Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I have heard very mixed things on that from people, you know, and, and maybe we're just not Call of Duty people, but I find it kind of interesting that that's actually up for best multiplayer because I've heard conflicting things on that. Multiverses, which I've never played a single round of and have no desire to. Overwatch 2, that that deserves to be on the list just because it's a huge name. Splatoon 3 and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. I, I mean, man. I think it's a lot of B, B- yeah. B-minus B- yeah. B- types. Right, yeah. 
you yeah. know and it's like i mean where's the innovative multiplayer games like risk of rain too and and you know some of those things valheim right like where it's like this is an incredible multiplayer game maybe it doesn't fit like into a particular genre necessarily but man playing with friends is great yeah and i think it's funny because if you look at let's go back and look at the winners you know over several years we go back in 10 years and look back and be like that just wasn't a good year for multiplayer maybe next year too who knows because they're all i mean if modern warfare 2 made the list and it's got a lackluster reception who cares who even wins this one does anybody care i don't I mean, yeah. like, even like Dr. Disrespect already quit Modern Warfare 2 and stuff. Like a lot right. of people were just kind of out on it pretty fast. Yeah, and, and most anticipated is kind of fun. They've got a couple games that aren't coming out for quite a while, like Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. They've also got Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy. Resident Evil 4 is kind of funny. I, I, I feel like remakes should not be eligible for these categories. Like, right. let's just look at new stuff. Uh, and Starfield, of course, being under most anticipated. That one might have been there a year or two in a row since that one's been delayed <laughs> yeah. a couple times. Yeah, I don't see Eva West on this list, so it's uh, because it comes out this year. Not an accurate list. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still anticipating it. Oh, very <laughs> nice. All right, well, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, boys, next news story here to cover is that Call of Duty Warzone 2 released this week, hence the introduction here with Josh. I know that Josh and I played a ton of Warzone when it first released. Michael, I know you're not really into shooters, so I'm guessing this one flew under the radar for you and you probably didn't touch Warzone. I I don't know the difference between almost any of the Call of Duty games. Like it, <laughs> and that and that made this article which you're about to go into really confusing for yeah. me because it's it's like you know that feeling you get when someone's like, "Hey, pat your head and rub your belly at the same time" and you're just like, "Huh?" That's what I that's how I felt reading this article. Uh, well, Warzone <laughs> 2 is a related but standalone title that is free, so you don't have to pay your $70 for Call of Duty to play the regular multiplayer. This includes the DMZ mode, which we'll talk about a little bit, and it also includes the Battle Royale. So, Josh, I think we 
fizzled on Warzone, but it didn't, it, it, it lasted quite a while for us. We played a few months before we actually got tired of Warzone. I'm not sure how long ago we quit playing it. Maybe like a year and a half ago. Does that sound about right? I was going to say, I think it, we, we went from Warzone to Apex and we really got into Apex for a while. We kind of dove back into Warzone a couple times and then we just fizzled out completely. I started getting back into Warzone a couple months ago when uh, we were playing with a friend of the show, Andy, and he and I were hopping in like every day. Um, and his kids, uh, my nephews, were, you know, they're older and they're actually good at the game now. So it kind of made it fun to do squads and stuff like that. But then I fizzled again. And normally I would be amped, like amped for Warzone 2.0 to go, hey, this is a game that I love hopping into with friends. It's fun. You know, anytime I play it, it just... It came out too close to God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's right. like, I'm super into Ragnarok right now, playing that for our deep dive. I mean, I, I 100% plan on hopping into Warzone 2.0, but I have not played it yet. Um, that said, I'm not hearing the best of things from it either. Well, I, I've played a few matches, and I will say it's it largely just feels like playing Warzone. So it's not radically different. Now, that being said, they did make some fun changes to the Battle Royale mode. So for anyone out there who doesn't know, the the real big new implementation in the first Warzone was the Gulag. So when you died, instead of your teammates just resing you, you had a chance to fight your way back in if you won your Gulag match. Well, in Warzone 2, what they did is the Gulag is now in pairs. So you're not alone. It's 2v2, but... The extra wrinkle that they added is that you can either fight and eliminate the other pair, and then you get to parachute back in, or as a four-person group, you can fight the jailkeeper, and then you get the <laughs> keys, and all four of you parachute back in. So there's a little bit of that, are we going to trust each other, or are you going to stab me in the back? Am I going to stab you in the back? Like, how are we going to do this? And I'll just say all of my trips to the gulag... I'm shooting the other people. I have not even <laughs> tried going after the jailer. I just aim for the other team. It's funny because I saw a, a clip from Tim the Tatman where he even said, everybody needs to do this in the gulag and nobody yeah. shot at each other. And then all four of them killed the jailer and they all redeploy. I am 100% the guy that would be like crouching up and down going, hey, don't shoot. Let's yep. let's go kill the jailer. And the they second turn. the guy turns his back, I'm <laughs> wasting that dude because you win. It. It's yeah. like if you if you take out the one guy, his buddy is still around. But I mean, 2v1, come on. And then it's almost like, dude, I'm guaranteed to redeploy without my direct competition getting redeployed. Right, right. Yeah. Why do you want to help? Uh, there's 150 people you have to eliminate to win. Why am I going to help two of them to get back onto the battlefield? Right, exactly. But I would, I would absolutely look like I am all about. Hey, let's work together and then just strike from behind. You are a dishonorable topa. That yeah, is clean. You know what? Victory is forever, man. <laughs> yep. I love it though. I love it. It cracks me up, Josh. I just, I, I picture. I don't know why I just pictured Josh like in real life in a gulag, like holding a stick and just like, hey, we're gonna just die in the back. <laughs> gulag, Josh escaping. Oh boy. The uh the DMZ mode is basically just escape from Tarkov in Call of Duty. It's fine. I thought it was fun. I played two matches and the AI that you fight are not very good. They kind of just run around and then you just you know hit a few headshots and they're dead. Uh but I think some people will really enjoy DMZ mode. So I I feel like I'd give it a B plus would be my early response. It seems fun. I do plan on playing it more and and maybe we can get a few friends to hop in. 
But yeah, multiplayer has just really been lacking these last few months, and I don't know that this one's going to suck everyone back in, but maybe we'll have some fun over Thanksgiving break. Yeah. All right, and then moving on to the last thing that we'll cover here this week, we do have a uh, short two-parter by way of CD Projekt Red. Part one, they announced that the cyberpunk expansion called Phantom Liberty will not be free. That should not be a surprise to anybody. I was going to say, right. is it, um, who thought <laughs> anybody this would be think free? it was going to be yeah. free? Like, yeah. I was seeing a line of people thinking it was going to be free. Like, why yeah. would it be free? This is not like them releasing an extra outfit or something. Like, this is a right. full-blown expansion. I'm guessing it's going to be 40 bucks, which is going to put it in line with The Witcher 3 expansions. Those were 10 to 15 hours each. I think this will probably be kind of on par. And then uh, part two of the story, speaking of The Witcher 3, The Witcher 3 next-gen update is releasing on December 14th for free. So anybody who owns it will be able to get it. It will also include all previously released DLC and a little bit of new content based on the Netflix series. So you guys uh, were more so the ones who wanted to talk about this news. Uh, are you guys excited about this next-gen update? Do you plan on playing it, or are you glad that it's coming? I would like to dive back in. It's been a while since I played the game. You know, it's been, I think, two or three years since I've done it. And I kind of have been needing that little kick over the edge to just go check it out again. And I think a next-gen update is exactly what I needed because, you know, I didn't finish some of the DLC, things like that. So it's like, yeah, I'd like to check it out. I think it's nice that we're, you know, we're we're going to get um, the option to you know, bring it into the next gen because that kind of makes it a little more evergreen, keeps it alive a little bit longer. But I mean, it's not like they're going to be releasing a new DLC for it or anything like that later on. It's so I don't know. I don't know how much traction. I don't know how much traction it will really get, but it's like go back and replay it. Or if people want to play it and they haven't played it and they've got a PS5, sh- sure, go for it. I think the big thing with the Witcher 3 upgrade is this has been in the works for a long time now. Like people that are fans of the Witcher 3 right. have heard about this. I think they announced it like honestly like a couple of years ago and then it just kept getting delayed and put off and delayed and put off and stuff like that. The big thing with this upgrade is it's really supposed to bring the visuals um and gameplay uh, up into like a much more modern time on this. Um, initially, people were saying it was going to have all new 4K textures, ray tracing, you know, the works on this. They've been touting the ray tracing. They haven't really touched on the 4K textures and stuff like that so much. So I don't know how much graphically they've actually done to it. Initially, I was hoping a lot because The Witcher 3 is to this day, one of the most beautiful games made, in my opinion. Right. And if you if you bring today's technology to that, oh my goodness, like how how amazing is that gonna be? But the other part of it is like they have a like built-in mods now. So some of the most popular mods are built into the game. They've fixed some of the jankiness and stuff like that. Is this going to be a brand new revelation? No. Is it going to be a reason to dive back into The Witcher 3 if you haven't played it in a couple of years? I think it will for a lot of people. I am excited about it, and at the same time, I know that I will not play it again. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's, I mean. Like, it's loaded. It's a lot. <laughs> it, it, and that's the thing is, like, I have a hard time saying I'm going to commit to this 60 hour playthrough. It's one of my favorite games ever, but it's just trying to dedicate the time to that. I don't think I'm going to do. There's just a lot of games coming up, man. Like, I mean, there is a lot of really good games releasing in the next couple months that we're excited for, and I just don't see fitting Witcher Three in there anywhere. Yeah, I think what I'll do is over my Christmas break, exactly like you said, I'll finish out the two expansions, the DLC that I never finished. I'm not going to do a fresh playthrough. I would, I would not want to do that. It's, it's too big of a game, and there's too much to do right now. <laughs> yeah, 
like part of me just doesn't really care a whole lot because the 2015 version already looks so good i guess the next gen update is nice if you already own it it's free if you're gonna play through the game multiple times i guess it's great to me it's not enough to make me go back into the witcher but then again i just played the witcher 3 within the last year year and a half um but I'm never going to argue with free content, so it's not like I'm mad about it or anything. It's a free upgrade. What are you going to say? I'd have to say I'm much more excited about The Witcher 1 being remade than Witcher 3. uh, I couldn't care less. (laughs) (laughs) It's too old. I own The Witcher 1. Uh, They're going to have a lot of work to do with that game. The combat is pretty horrific in The Witcher 1. That one's going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. I will say, I don't know if this counts for anything for developers. I will 100% download The Witcher 3 upgrade and and at least look at it. I'll play it for an hour (laughs) or two. You know what I mean? I'll go, man, I don't have the patience to get to that eight-hour mark to where this game really starts getting amazing. But I will absolutely download the game and check it out. And so I don't know if that works for people where like CD Projekt Red can be like, 40 million people downloaded The Witcher 3. Like, who's on? It's like, yeah, but they only played it for like an hour and then everybody uninstalled it again. <laughs> I guess that, that that really leads into the question of like, what's the return on investment for CD Projekt Red on this? Like, how many people are going to... Not how much. Ma- who Not out much. there? Who, If you're Free listening press. to the show, let us know in Discord if this happens at all. But you're like, man, I've been dying to play The Witcher 3. But you know what? It's so outdated that I haven't checked it out yet. I'm waiting for a next-gen update to go buy it. <laughs> No Nobody. one's no one's saying right. That. No, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a way to buy some free press, I guess, which is not free, but you know what I mean. Right. I mean, the other thing is they've yeah. put this off many, many times. Even though this is a thing, this is like a small thing with CD Projekt Red. Like it got pushed back many times. Like like I said, a lot of people that were really interested in this have been that way for years, and it's just like it's not that big of a deal to to CD Projekt Red. Yeah, I I do also wonder if it'll really be that noticeable. Having played Witcher 3 on a high-end PC, even with the next-gen upgrade, I don't know if it's going to make a whole lot of difference. I think it'll be a bigger deal for console players, for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, that about wraps up today's show. Just a couple quick things that we're leaving on the cutting room floor. Dead Island 2 has been delayed three months. That'll now come out at the end of April of next year. Uh, RTX 4090s are apparently melting power (laughs) adapters. A class action lawsuit's been filed against them. And (laughs) Overwatch 2's next hero after Ramatra will be support, which has me very excited. I'm glad to see that. And uh, that wraps up This Week in Gaming. So we want to say thank you to everyone out there for listening. As a reminder, please sign up for our Patreon, which you can find at MultiplayerSquad.com to get bonus content. And you can also follow us everywhere on socials at MultiplayerPod. All right. I think we're all done for today, guys. Any last thoughts? No. that's the news we hope you liked it yep enjoy your turkey or if you are uh, a person of culture maybe you're having ham or a rib roast which are far superior to turkey but in any case enjoy your rolls and all your side dishes and we'll see you guys next time happy gaming cheers all all right see everybody